Good morning. Good morning. You may be seated. So glad you're here this morning. My name's Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. It is Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Um, this is the, marks the beginning of Holy Week, Passion Week. We are going to be celebrating Good Friday this coming Friday, and then Easter Sunday, next Sunday. What a great day. Last year, as Jordan was saying earlier, we weren't able to gather together on Easter. I never, ever, as a pastor, I never, ever thought I'd see the day where the church didn't gather on Easter. Uh, but we did. We gathered online last Easter, and... Um, we still celebrate the resurrection, but I'm really excited about this year to be able to gather together again and celebrate Christ's resurrection. You know, Christianity really is based on this miraculous supernatural idea that Jesus died on the cross, was dead and buried three days, and then rose from the dead, defeating sin and defeating death for all who would put their trust and believe in him turn from their sins, and turn to Christ. This amazing idea, miraculous idea. And so over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about not just Christ's resurrection, but what the implications of Christ's resurrection mean. That there's other resurrections that happen because Christ was resurrected. Really cool stuff. So um, this sermon series, our Easter sermon series, has been called Resurrections. And we've actually been talking about the resurrection of the saints. Next week, we'll obviously be talking about Christ's resurrection. But we're going through the resurrections. And some of the, the questions that the church, the early church had. Uh, we've been in 1 Corinthians. So uh, we've been, uh, Paul's been answering questions that the church in Corinth had about the bodily resurrection of the saints. And so we're going to continue that study. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 15, and we're going to be in verses 35 through 58 today. So you can kind of uh, turn there and, and hold that place in your Bible. Have you ever struggled with worry or fear? Anybody? Just me? Okay, good. There's three of us here. We're going to talk about that. No, but all of us, right? We've all struggled with worry or fear, or we've looked out at the chaos that is all around us, and we see where our world is going and this, this massive moral decline all around us. And, and with the pandemic and, and with the political atmosphere that we live in, there's all this tension and all of this, all the things that we see that I mean, a lot of it going directly against these biblical values that we've kind of been raised with, and, and it creates in us this angst, and we have to do something with that. I mean, there, there has to be something. How, how do we deal with it? How do we walk through this chaotic time in our lives and in our society? How do we, how do we love our neighbors when we disagree? How do we, how do we work through all of this and, and come out with peace? And come out calm and assured and connected to God, right? I mean, it's really difficult, especially when there's so much tension all around us. So if you've struggled with worry, if you've struggled with kind of this, this chaos all around us and working through this, today's sermon is for you and me, right? <laughs> As we go through this, we all need God's peace in the chaos, amen? Let's pray before we read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we thank you that you are stable, that you never change, that you are a firm foundation, and you never leave us alone. 
God, as we walk through these times and we, we see the chaos around us and, and the friction and, and all of this around us, Father, we pray that you would draw our attention to you, the one who never changes, the one who is active in our lives, the one who has set our days before us. Father, draw attention to you. And as we read your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring these words to life, that it would change us. God, that we would walk out of here knowing we have met with our Creator this morning because we are not the same. Come and have your way, Father. Use me for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pick this up in verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, Paul says. This is really strong language. We don't really get it. I mean, it's kind of strong language even in English, but in the Greek, it's even stronger language. With Paul's aggressive, I'll say it this way, with Paul's aggressive response here, we can see that these questions came from a mind of doubt and questioning that was based in the false teaching of no resurrection of the saints. They were coming at this from the wrong angle, and really what they were doing is asking the wrong question here, right? So last week we talked about, and and as we've gone through 1 Corinthians, what we've realized is that Paul was addressing some false teachers in Corinth, right? And they were doing some false teaching, so he's he's kind of putting them in their place, and he's speaking truth to the church, and and really that's what he's doing here with this response. He's like, you've been listening to the wrong people here. You wouldn't even be asking this question if these false teachers weren't in there. But I'm going to answer the question, and he's going to answer it with so much more. Let's go on. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same. But there's one kind for human, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For stars differs from star in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now, don't get confused there. This man of earth and this man of heaven, he's talking about the first Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam was Adam in the garden. The second Adam is Christ. So he's talking about Jesus here. He's talking about Jesus, the man of heaven. The first thing I want us to really focus on here, though, in the first filling in your notes is this. We will be raised to glory. 
we will be raised to glory. In Romans 8.30, it says this, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is what Paul is talking about here, these heavenly bodies. When he's answering this question, we will be given a spiritual body, a heavenly body, a resurrection body. There is a promise. There is something coming. There is an eternal destiny set aside for every believer. The promise is the promise of redemption or being redeemed. Redeemed has a really similar meaning in Hebrew to the word ransom. Ransom or redeemed. It means a rescue of an individual from the difficult obligation by means of monetary payment. We have been and are being redeemed, ransomed, and rescued through the work of Christ on the cross. God is applying that redemption to us and on us through what he lays out in Romans 8. Let's just go through that really quick. It's really important as we understand this. You have been predestined. Isn't, uh, that's a big word, right? Predestined. That means this, that before time began, God knew your name. He knew who you were. He knew what you were going to do. In fact, the Bible says that before time began, he set aside good things, good things for you to do. It means you have a destiny, like a really cool destiny, that there's this, this bigger picture, this bigger story going on right now where God, the creator of all things, has set in place this story where he is redeeming humanity to himself that he would be glorified in everything that we do and everything that happens. So there's this huge big story, so much bigger than us, so much bigger than me and you, so much bigger than Mission View, so much bigger than North Canton, so much bigger than 2021. I mean, this is an amazing story story that encompasses all of human time and space. And this predestination means that you have a destiny to live out and be a part of this huge, amazing story that God wants to tell and show. That he would be glorified in the things that you do and see and understand. Predestined before time began. What else does Romans 8 say there? You have been called. And this isn't like mom calling you in for dinner. This isn't like somebody calling you on the cell phone. This is the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, who predestined you, who set these good things aside for you to do. He is calling you by name. He knows your name. He knows every secret, every hidden thing, every skeleton in the closet, and he still calls you. He may be calling you right now by name. It also says that we've been justified. Justified, that's a big word. You have been made right. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in him, you surrender your will to his will. You turn from your sins and you run to Jesus and you say, my life is yours. The Bible says you have been justified right then. Justified. You've been made right. And every sin that you've committed and every sin that you will commit is forgiven and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And there's nothing you can do to earn this justification. There's nothing we can do to add to this righteousness that's been imparted to us and puted upon us by God our Creator. There's nothing we can do. We aren't deserving of mercy and grace and justification. But God in mercy and love and kindness looks down at us and just by His grace predestines us, calls us, and justifies us. And that's good stuff. Man, is that good stuff. And lastly, what's that last one? This is the one we're going to talk about the rest of the day. We will be glorified. Glorification is the final step in the application of redemption. It will happen when Christ returns and raises from the dead the bodies of all believers for all time who have died and reunite them with their souls and change the bodies of all believers who remain alive, thereby giving all believers at the same time perfect resurrection bodies like his own. Who here wants a resurrection body? Can I get an amen? Oh man, I jog in the mornings and I tell you what, I go home after my jog and my knee hurts and my back hurts and I, and I go sit down and I have to do about 20 minutes of stretching. Andrew, you don't know what this is like, you're a young man, but just wait. I'm telling you, just wait. You'll hit about 35, 45, somewhere in there and something happens. Something changes. I mean, when I was, <laughs> I see all the guys and looking over at me. When I remember when I was younger, I'd go work out and I'd be sore. Now I go work out and I get injured end up in the hospital or something, right? I used to ride dirt bikes and everything else. I would have all a good time and I'd lay a dirt bike down doing 20 miles an hour and get back up, dust myself off and get back on that dirt bike. Well, you know, I was doing about two miles an hour on a dirt bike a few months ago and broke four ribs when I laid it down. I, I laid it down thinking nothing's gonna happen up in an emergency room, you know? I want a resurrection body and that's the promise. That's what Paul's getting out here. You want to know what kind of body you're having? You're asking the wrong question. This is going to be amazing. Heaven is amazing. And the promises that God has for us, he has always fulfilled over centuries and centuries of time. Every promise has been fulfilled and every promise will be fulfilled. And you're asking how the, raise, how the dead are going to be raised? What kind of body you're going to have? Give me a break. You foolish people don't get caught up in that. Get caught up in the promise of heaven. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be amazing. We will be glorified when Christ comes again. Mm. He goes on, he talks about Adam, that in the garden Adam was formed from the dust, so we too live in these earthly bodies. Jesus was raised from the dead and first. He was the first, the first fruits of, of many, right? And he had this new heavenly body, that resurrection body. Now, even with his heavenly resurrected body, Jesus could talk to people, eat food and drink. He even allowed doubting Thomas to touch his wounds. But we also know he could disguise his appearance. He talked with many people, not revealing who he was as he had these long conversations and then would reveal himself as Jesus. He could disguise his appearance with his resurrected body. He could disappear and reappear in different places. It's crazy. As you see, he would appear and reappear. 500 different eyewitness accounts we have of the resurrected Christ. Amazing stuff. It's exciting and interesting to think about what it will be like to have a heavenly resurrection body. Isn't that exciting? That's what God has. And that's our, the promise that he's given us. We will be glorified. 
Oh, and praise God for that. Check out where he goes next. Here, let's pick it up in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You might want to underline that. That's really important as we go on. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Oh, that's good news too. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. Immortality. The second thing, the second fill-in or notes you might want to write down is this. You must be born again to inherit the kingdom. You must be born again to inherit the kingdom or be raised to glory. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We were born into sin because of Adam. We were born enemies of God, dead in our trespasses. We were dead men and women walking. But God, in his great mercy, called us to life. We were born again into this new life. He put his spirit into us, and now we live. It is because of this new life that we can inherit the kingdom of God. We can be glorified when Christ comes again. One day, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and given new resurrection bodies. And those who have not yet died but have put their trust in Christ, will be given new resurrection bodies. Jesus is coming again, and he will judge the living and the dead. He will set up shop and rule and reign. That's what the kingdom of God means. It's the rule and reign of God Almighty. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And in order for us to inherit this coming kingdom, we must be born again. If you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you have not surrendered your will to His, maybe you've been living this life for numero uno, me, myself, and I. We have all been there. We have all been there. God has something better for you. Like I said earlier, he has predestined you for good things. He has set aside good things for you to do. He is calling you right now. He's calling you, son, daughter, come to me. All of the weight of this world, the struggles that we go through, the worry and the, the concerns and the illnesses and everything that just comes in on us and weighs us down so heavily. You were not meant to carry that weight. God says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Rest, find rest in me. He is our hope. And he's the only one who can carry the weight of the world. But we try, don't we? We try. I mean, even after we're saved, we try, don't we, Christians? I mean, we, we take on things we shouldn't take on. We worry about things we shouldn't worry about. 
We get caught up and, and our attention really is drawn to the things around us, the, the struggles and all those different things. And we lose sight. We lose sight of the one who created everything around us and the one who can bear that weight. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ, put your trust in him today. Because here's the truth. That trumpet could sound right now. Right now. Every second that goes by is a second that Jesus could come right now. And I'm telling you, I think his coming is getting really close. If we look at what the Bible teaches and what's happening in our world right now, Jesus could come back really quick. So if you don't know Jesus, put your trust in him. But if you do know Jesus and you're hearing this right now, you better go tell everybody you know about Jesus because he could come back any moment. Now here's some really important things we need to remember or you need to think about if you want to put your trust in Christ. You will not be saved by your good choices. You will not be saved by acts of kindness, Bible reading, church attendance, money given, or mission trips taken will not save you. You are solely saved by the grace of God through the faith in Christ alone. And because of that, none of us can boast or act like we are better than one another because we are all saved sinners, deserving of judgment, but gifted grace. And that's who God is. That's who he is. There's there's no somebody better than somebody else. The only one that's better is Jesus. The only King of kings and Lord of lords is Jesus. And you know what we get to do? We get to partner together, be friends for this, this destiny that God has set aside for me and you together, that we get to see his kingdom expanded and go on missions trips and share the gospel with our neighbors and do outreaches and, and see God do this amazing work together. That's, we are just beneficiaries of an amazing grace that surpasses anything, anything anyone has ever experienced. What? That's Christianity. Man, none of us, none of us deserve this goodness. None of us deserve this kindness. Man, it just wrecks me every time. Come, be, come play a part. Come be a part. That's what 1 Corinthians has been telling us about, right? That you've been gifted, that God gives spiritual gifts to every believer that for the common good, that we could come together and use those gifts, whatever they may be, for his kingdom and for the common good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Come play a part. Come be a part of what God is doing. What an amazing gift God has given us. Do you know the kindness of God? Do you know the kindness of God? Do you know that he loves you and that every day, every minute, every second we're given is a gift? He's not just the creator of life. He is the sustainer of life. And every breath we breathe, every thought we have, every moment is a gift from him. He knows you every part. And he loves you. Jesus came and defeated death so that we can have victory through Christ. Look at verse 54. 
When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Oh man, this is good stuff. Number three in your notes is this. The promise of our resurrection inspires us to be steadfast, immovable, and doing the stuff. All right? Steadfast, immovable, and doing the stuff. Paul references the scriptures in Hosea and Isaiah here where the prophets prophesy of a time when death would die. In Hosea 13, 14, it says, I shall ransom them. There's that ransom, redeem. I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol, that is hell. I shall redeem them from death. O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes. In Isaiah 25, 8, it says this, He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Hmm. He will wipe away every tear. You know what that means? Not one tear that you shed is wasted in the kingdom of God. He sees every single heartache. He sees every single struggle. And he sees every single tear. And those tears that he wipes away when he comes again aren't the tears that are going to be coming from your face right that moment. It's every tear you have shed for the, etern- the, the entirety of your life. Every struggle, every moment that you were on the floor in the fetal position, crying out to God, why has this happened? Why has this come? God in that moment is going to reach down into every moment of our lives and every struggle in our lives, and he's going to pull it away. And he's going to give us this peace and this grace and this amazing thing that can only happen by creator God in this glorified glorification state that he's going to give us. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what life has faced you with, what has been taken from you. But I know this, that when Jesus comes again, every tear will be wiped away. And that, that is good news. And it's a mystery to us, right? Because I can stand up here and say that and that's real easy to say out loud. But when somebody we love is taken from us or that diagnosis comes in from the doctor or that car accident happens or that loss of job happens and the tears come, it's hard to remember that, isn't it? God, where are you? Where are you right now? But remember this. Remember this, that every tear we shed will be wiped away one day. 
And Jesus, when he comes again, man, it's going to be something that blows our minds. Because of that amazing work Christ has done, we can be steadfast in the chaos. We can be immovable in the mess. And we can be abounding in the work of the Lord in exhaustion. What does it mean to be steadfast? It's the idea of this being firm, unwavering, steady. Immovable in the Greek is very similar, but it adds this other definition, unshakable. Unshakable. When we focus, now hear me on this, when we focus and meditate on the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection because of Christ, God works a steadiness in us, an unwavering, immovable trust and faith in Him and motivates us to abounding works for His kingdom. Do you want to be steady, steadfast, immovable, and unwavering? Anybody? Anybody? All of us, right? We all want to be that. Make the gospel and the application of it what you focus on. Remember these things. Paul is trying to help us focus. As I get older, I don't know about you, but I'm 44 now, and the older I get, in the evenings, my eyes just don't seem to focus like they used to. It's, where's, where's uh, Steve Hansen at? He keeps telling me, you'll come see me soon. Dr. Hansen keeps telling me I'm going to come see him soon. But I read a lot, right? So I'm always, I'm always reading or studying or something. And, and as I'm getting older, it's, it used to be around eight o'clock. I'd be like, I, man, I'm having a hard time reading this thing right now. Then it, then it was seven o'clock. And I'm like, man, wow, it's getting hard to focus on these papers. Then it's six o'clock, right? And, you know, I, I'm waiting on it to get a little bit earlier, but like around six o'clock or so now, I'm having a, a hard time focusing. Well, focus is important. I mean, if you, if you really want to read a book or, or watch something, it's, it's very difficult. If everything looks kind of fuzzy, it makes it really difficult to read, right? Get a headache, start straining your eyes, start really working at it. And that, that page that usually takes you, what, 30 seconds to read or a minute to read, ends up taking you like four minutes to read, and then you have a headache after you're trying to do it. Focus is vitally important. And Paul is saying, listen, listen, when your focus is in the wrong place, your life will be a mess. Paul wants us to focus. We can focus on the world and see the mess. It can be overwhelming. The quick moral decline and shift in our country can be discouraging. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can focus on our lives and see our struggles, the failures and weaknesses that creep in. We stumble and limp our way forward, feeling blind and powerless at, at times. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We could focus on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. We can watch the news, listen to podcasts, and see the world falling down into sin all around us. For hours and hours a day, we will be worried and shaken, uneasy, weak, weary, and moved. Or we can choose to focus and meditate on the work and power of God in Christ Jesus for you and me, knowing the war is already won. I don't know about you, but I choose to focus on Christ. 
I choose to focus on his promises and rest and be assured and know in his promises. And I will be steadfast and movable and just abounding in the works that he has for me because I know who wins the war, right? We know it. We don't have to get caught up in all this mess. We don't have to be worried. We can have this steadfastness. We can have this immovability. And we can do the stuff because of what Christ has done. As we've gone through these studies throughout 1 Corinthians, there's this common theme. I don't know if you've picked up on it or not yet. It's this common theme of the cross of Christ. Paul points us over and over and over again to this amazing work that Jesus has done for us. So oftentimes, we think Christianity is Jesus died on the cross for us and saved us from sin. And that's a huge part of it. But I think what Paul's really getting across to us is that Jesus didn't die just to save you. Jesus died to change you. And he is growing you and changing you as we look at the cross of Christ over and over and over again. He takes that selfishness a little bit further out of us. He takes that, that those things that we want for ourselves and kind of changes our, our idea of what is good. And he is growing us and changing us. Man, what an amazing opportunity we have next Sunday as we're going to be coming together and talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and celebrate. And think about it. There are going to be millions of people all over the world next Sunday celebrating along with us, brothers and sisters in Christ, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get into it next week. It's going to be uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So if you have time this week, go back and read it. You can, you can memorize it, meditate on it, let it soak and simmer and marinate in that, those verses as we prepare to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ next Sunday. Also, we will come together Friday as well. And I had uh, the office, the girls, a uh, couple of girls in the office came into my, my office and asked, Matt, why do they call Good Friday Good Friday? Right? It's this, it's this memorial of the death and of, of Christ, right? I can remember some sermons I've heard on Good Friday before. What's so good about Good Friday? Well, what's so good about Good Friday is what we've been studying the last couple of weeks and then what we will study on Sunday. That without the death of the Son of God, we would be lost in our sins. Now, there was a great, the greatest price was ever paid. That God's only son would die for us. But because of that, we will be redeemed. We are redeemed and are being redeemed. And we will be glorified one day. So Good Friday is Good Friday. But on Good Friday, we remember that sacrifice, the price that was paid. Redemption takes a price, and a just God demands justice, and he got it because of Jesus Christ for me and you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together before we close our service and sing this song. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Help us to be steadfast. Help us to be immovable. Help us to be always abounding in the work of our Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. Father, we thank you for what you've done, and we thank you for what you're doing and what you will do in and through our lives. We surrender to you, Father, and we say, O death, where is your sting? We have victory because of Jesus, and we thank you for that victory. Help us live it. Help us live that victory for your kingdom, for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.